Test, 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 test. I'm working. Yes, by the way. Okay. Okay, Rebecca, that's fine. You got to decide whether your grandma's birthday or us are more important. So No, it's okay. Totally, if you can't come, it's fine. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. I made this myself, so it's probably awful. But I'm going to tell you guys a story about this dude right here, the unsuccessful man. Um, it's a short story, but I, it, you're going to learn as we go through, and probably we've already learned. I'm very illustration kind of guy. Like, the Ugly Ducklings will be forever, something I won't forget. Because I told her, I was like, man, I can't forget about the Ugly Ducklings. That was something, anyway, that's irrelevant. I like illustrations because I think it helps you connect with what we're talking about. And I think it helps, I mean, they use parables in the Bible, which is exactly what an illustration is, kind of. Not nearly as detailed as what Jesus would do. But, okay. So this is called The Unsuccessful Man. So he obviously didn't set out to be unsuccessful. Right? The title gives it away that it probably didn't go very well, but he sought out to do well. Very well, actually. He's like, there's a lot of jobs out there that prove to be good. I want to give my, you know, put my hands on that and try to be successful. So his first one, he's like, you know what? I want to be a train conductor. That's what I'll do. I know Chris is like, literally, that's the last thing I think to be successful. But he's like, it's an it's a in-demand job. It's something I think I would enjoy. I think I could be good at being a train conductor. So he goes through the schooling. He gets all his certifications. And he starts conducting trains. Oh, yeah. He wants to be successful. That's why I have those pictures up there. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Because that's what he thinks. He thinks somehow, some way, by doing these jobs... Maybe I'll obtain some form of status in life. Maybe I'll do this successful thing well. So, he attempts train conducting. And uh, he quickly, quickly uh, gets let go. Because he had a problem. Why did that appear first? Ignore that! That's later! <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I, was t I tested this. Okay. The trains kept going off the rail. That's a problem as a train conductor, by the way. They said, hey, uh, hey uh, man, can you come in here? They come into the office. And he's like, hey, what's up? You know, what's up? I, well, we noticed um, a trend is that every time you go to turn your train, ignore the picture! It's, it's relevant to his other job. <laughs> you know what? I'm not perfect. You're learning this. So he, he looks at them. He's like, what's wrong? He goes like, well, we've noticed every time you get in a train and you go in on the straight path, you sometimes decide to turn for no reason. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes I just kind of feel like seeing what, you know, what that way would go. But there's no tracks that way. Oh, is that how trains work? And so he kept derailing the train. And they're like, listen, bud, I don't think this is for you. So he thought, hey, maybe I'll give my hand at something else. He decided, I'll take up brig, brig, bridge architecture. Whoa, we have an architecture guy here. And so he starts building wooden planked bridges in the Amazon. 
an important job for particular tribes, no less. So he's gone a long way. He went from train conductor to wooden plank bridge architecture in the Amazon. He was quickly fired from this job. Why? Because he would, every couple steps of the way, he would kick out a wood plank. I don't understand what's wrong with this guy, but this is what he was doing. So he would build a couple planks, and I don't know how you actually make these, so this is, like, if this someone watching this, like, that's actually not how that's done, I don't care. This is how it's done. And so you go along, and they'd be like, ha-da! And then you go along, ha-da! And then you go along, and then, and then he gets called into the office, and like, uh, so you're fired. He's like, what? What did I do wrong? Well, it's just interesting because you're making this bridge to get to where you want, where these people want to go, but along the way, you're kicking out planks. He's like, I, is that, well, I can't do that? No. And so he gets fired. He's like, okay, fine, fine, okay. I can still get success, because you know what? Wood plank bridge making in the Amazon, that's not where the money's at. And train conducting, that's silly. You know where the money is at? Art. That's where it is. Yeah, that's where the picture's for. It has purpose. So he's like, I'll be an art connoisseur. Not only an art connoisseur, but ones that are freshly painted to get their premium price right at the beginning, right when they're done. That's what I'll do. So he would walk up to a painting, and he'd kind of stand there in front of it, and then he'd go, and the painters would be like, what did you, and he'd go, and he'd just smear the painting. And then he's like, no value, no value. Walk up to the next painting. No value, no value. I have painting. I can't even tell what it is. Can't even look. He kept marring each painting. And people, the people are watching him like, what are you doing? It's like Picasso put, uh, Picasso. <laughs> I'm making up real words today. Picasso paintings and, you know, the freshly painted. He's like, yeah, no. And so quickly, they're like, you can't do that, right? You know that, right? And so it gets released from that job as well. So every job, he knew what to do. Like, he, he knew the path. He knew what was to be successful. Yet he kept doing stupid things that would ruin it. And he knew it, but he's like, I just felt like, you know, it, it felt good at the time. So he had one more attempt. He's like, you know what? I want to construct skyscrapers. That's what I'll do. Because there's nothing greater than building a monument and saying, I built that. Yeah, he has a very vast array of jobs that he wanted to do. So he gets to it, and they lay down the foundation, and they start building up this huge building. And he's like, you know what? That foundation doesn't look very good. I'm going to jackhammer it. That's what I'll do. So he starts, while the building's already been put up, starts jackhammering the foundation. Didn't go well. And uh, the man who sought success lost his life because he jackhammered the foundation. It's a silly story. And obviously I wrote it because it's terrible. I said it out loud for first. I'm like, man, that wasn't very good. But every step of the way, what was the problem? He was making forward movement. Like the train, he's like, 
got to get the certification to become a conductor. And he was doing it. And then all of a sudden, he'd be like, turn it. Derailed. He made bridges, but he would poke out the planks. He would try to interpret art, but he would mar the very picture he was looking at. He would try to build a foundation where a stable building could be built, but he kept ruining the foundation, which ultimately cost him his life. So what's the point? The man wasn't successful. Success cannot be accompanied by personal unraveling. It's, that is a natural, like anyone in New York would tell you that. Oh, you want to start a business? Well, you shouldn't act like this guy. You want to you be a plank bridge builder in an Amazon? Don't poke out the planks. That's silly. It's ridiculous. Why would you do that? And I remember something there. Ha! Turn off the AC. Turn off. Go. Turn. Because it ruins my recordings. And it's cold in here, kind of. I'm hot. But, right, but you wouldn't do that. So, you can't have both. Wow, that doesn't look as good on the screen. You can't have both. He couldn't have success while personally unraveling himself. It was silly. You couldn't be a good train conductor when you purposely derailed the train. You couldn't be a plank bridge building the Amazon and poke out the planks and so on and so forth. And ultimately, it cost him his life. You maybe know what I'm getting at. Interesting enough, uh, a lot of us do the exact same thing as this unsuccessful man in the Christian life. We do. I don't, I, you know, it's interesting to have all of you on this side. Because I keep like, you know, as a good public speaker, you're supposed to like turn. There's no one over here. So I'll stay over here. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like guitar case, stand, oh, people. But in the Christian life, I tell you that we do the very same thing. Now I'm going to talk about something that automatically is a huge turnoff to everybody. It's interesting, but it just is. I'm going to talk about the greatest hindrance to a successful Christian life. And it's not going to blow your mind what I say. You're not going to go like, oh, I knew there was something to that. I knew it. No, I'm going to talk about something you've heard about all your life, but I think I'm going to shed maybe some new light on it. Maybe not new, but maybe... Re this whole series is like kicking you in the knee and telling you to like, hey, wake up. It's time to think about these things. So let's dive in. The greatest hindrance to the Christian life. You've never heard that before. What? What's that? Is that part of Christianity? <laughs> no, obviously, we've heard this since, since you were a kid. Don't get the cookie out of the cookie jar. It's sin. And you learned from beyond age, that S word's not good. The sin word, when mom just says, that's sinning, you're like, I'm getting spanking. I knew I did something wrong, right? You've heard it all your life. And obviously, I'm silly on purpose because sin is the most boring thing we can talk about in the Christian life, right? It's sin, okay. Sin and Jesus are the most common things. But for some reason, in the Christian life, it is the greatest hindrance to living for Christ. So, what does it do? What does sin do? How is it the greatest hindrance? Well, like the first example, 
Sin completely derails the path you're on. Did you know that? You know that? Run the race. The narrow path that is Christian. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, and when you sin, it's like taking your train to Jesus land. That is a terrible example. I'm sorry I said that out loud. But all right, you're on the train and you're like, oh, look, that looks good. And you derail yourself. And sometimes it takes a while to get back on the track. I'm going to put up a verse for you because Scripture is important. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I fear lest any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. It's a simple path to Christ, folks. It really is. The gospel is a simple message. I firmly believe that. But here's the reality, is that what's simple, for some reason we corrupt it. We derail it. And I'll dive into more exactly how we do this. But sin completely derails you from where you're going. It just does. It's like the unsuccessful man. Oh, I want to be a good train conductor. Well, don't derail the train. I want to go towards Christ. Well, sin's not going to get you there. This I say, then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. Walk in the Spirit. It doesn't say, hey, walk in the Spirit with a sprinkle of sin. It's like, no, walk in the Spirit. You know what walking in sin is? Not walking in the Spirit. I've blown your mind tonight. There you go. There it is. I just revolutionary concepts here. Not only does sin derail, it also divides. It separates. I chose divide because I was going for an alliteration thing. Yes, all these words will have like a D in front of it. But the Bible often says sin separates you from God. You know that. You've heard that. But here's really what it looks like and how silly it looks. It's like a man building wooden plank bridges in the Amazon and poking out the planks. I want to get to God. I want to be close to him. Man, I can't figure out why I can't get close to them. The planks are missing. Who did that? Who? Oh, me. But your iniquities have separated you. Isaiah 59.2. But your iniquities have separated. Anyone want to define separation for me? Not together, but separate. There's a distance. There is space in between. Right? Two guys go out in a basketball game, you separate them. Right? Boxing, same diff, whatever. You should separate them. George's like, no, let them go at it. Do it. I see mouse at the palace, folks. They definitely let them go at it. Separate between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin divides. It does. The Bible says it. I'm showing you the verses. I'm not making this up. It says it. Not only does it derail, not only does it divide, what also does it do? It distorts. You know, sin has more than just this ability to get you away from God. It can also twist your view of God. Sin has a way of you not only deceiving others, but deceiving yourself to the point where the image of God has been distorted by the sin you've allowed to reign with you. You ever think about that? 
Because God is clear, but when you start sinning, it's not so clear anymore. And I say there's a lot of Christians out there that have completely marred their view of God because sin abounds in their life. What? There's a verse for that? You better believe it. Mark 7, 20 through 23, and he said, That which cometh out of the man that defiled the man, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, thefts, covetousness, witnesses, deceit, lascivious, and evil eye, blessed pride, foolishness, and all these evil things come from within and defile the man. And all these things are not God. But I've seen Christians who say I live for God, but for some reason some of these are allowed. Sin distorts. It mars the image of God is because guess what? The Bible says this is not good. Not good. And I've met Christians like, oh, some of this is okay. Some of this is okay. I know there's some big words in there. I'll break them down later. Don't worry. We're getting there. Because I'm giving you an endless concept because the biggest question is going to be what is sin? And we're getting there. And you're like, oh, I know what sin is. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll find out. 1 John 3 through 4. 3, 4. Wow. Whosoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Okay? This is a really, really complicated way to say this. Um, the King James Version uses words that we don't necessarily word. But basically, it's saying sin is lawlessness. So to live for God is, is structured and ordered, but to live for sin is chaos. It's distorted. So what else is it? At the end of the day, sin destroys. What happened to an unsuccessful man with the very last one? He jackhammered the foundation and he lost his life. I'm not trying to scare you, by the way. My point is not to scare you. There's like, oh, I sin. I know Christians sin, okay? Competing tonight with the police and the ambulances. But what I am saying is there is an end Sin will destroy you. Hands down. Always. It just does. Why? Because the Bible says so, and we believe the Bible, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin destroys. Now, this is really sad. I understand that the first couple things of things you're like, well, oh, great. That's really negative. But Trevor, silly Trevor, Come on now. I know what sin is, and I'm a pretty good person. Trevor, I don't struggle with these big sins, but I just want you to understand something. Sin and God cannot coexist. For example, I perhaps have titled this, You Can't Have Both. You can't have God and sin. You might think you can, but you cannot. They can't coexist. It's impossible. And you're like, I know that. I know that. I've heard that since like four. Okay. Maybe I perplexed you. Allowable sins? Well, here's the thing. So people talk about sin. Pastors come and talk about sin. And this is where the mind goes. The big ones. The big sins. The bad ones, right? Porn. It's bad. Drugs. Bad. Alcohol. Bad. Sexual acts. Bad. Murder, bad, all the big ones. Like, well, I haven't done any of that. I don't struggle with those big things. Now, maybe you do. I'm not naive to think that you don't. I hope you're not a huge murderer here. 
That would conserve it. But no. This is like this is where the mind goes, right? Oh, sin? It's the big ones. I don't do that. I don't do the big ones. Yeah, maybe you. I'm not trying to make light of these, by the way. These, these are, if you're struggling with this, it's okay because there's Christian brothers and sisters around who are here to love you, and I'm not going to be that one Christian who goes like, ah, what? Ah, no, go away, nasty. No, you laugh, but that's how Christians act. That's ridiculous. It's a sin like any other sin. Now, they might have bigger consequences, but it's still sin. Here's the allowable ones, though. For some reason, we forget these. Ever notice that? Oh, sin's a big one, so I'm clearly not derailing, distorting, dividing, or destroying myself, because I don't do that. But here's this. This is interesting. What does this say? But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parent. Whoa, that's not on the big list. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Whoo! I know for me, I want you to know that right now, that's one of the biggest struggles I had and still sometimes have, is having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Wow. Avoid such people. You know what I noticed in Christian culture? And I know there's a book out there that kind of hits, and I didn't steal out of this book. That's not what I was trying to do. But you know what I've noticed in our culture? is we only care about the big ones. Like, I feel like youth pastors, they sit down and they're like, okay, who's struggling with porn? Okay, who's, who's struggling? With, you know, are you drinking? Are you drinking? Are you drinking underage? Are you doing that? And I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to lessen those, but I'm really big about the allowable sins that for some reason our Christian culture are okay. For example, something I've noticed in myself that's been a recent like, concern of mine is I've allowed for some reason to, I don't get angry. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a big yeller. I'm not a very angry. It sounds funny because I preach and you're like, you yell all the time. But no, when I'm with Candace, like, I'm not like, Candace, you. And like, I don't act that way towards her, but I get really frustrated a lot. And for some reason, I think that's allowable, and it's not. Let me just throw some things up here for you. Let's talk about the allowable ones. Fear and worry is a sin. Did you know that? Because a lot of us openly say it, you know, like, I'm worried about, and I know sometimes there's context, like, I'm worried about a test, and it's not maybe to the extent of this actual worry, but there's a lot of people who you fear about where your life's going, who you're going to marry, what you're going to do, where you're going to live, if you're going to succeed. It's a sin. I know what sin is, do you? How about this? Selfishness and self-righteousness. You ever think about that one? You don't verbalize it, perhaps, right? Because we watch the depravity of children. A three-year-old just doesn't care what you think about them. 
They're like, I want that. That is mine. You're like, selfish little brat. But then when it's giving of your time or giving of, you know, your convenience, like Bible reading, did you, did you know that my show's on tonight? The Lions are playing. God, I'll take a rain check. Oh, Caleb, you're struggling, man? Hey, you know, really wanted to catch some ice cream with my wife, so catch you next time, bro. Because, you know, it's about me first, really. I wouldn't say that loud. You know, it's a sin. Pride. Hello, men. Hello, women. Pride. We live in New York City, guys. What you wear is a pride symbol sometimes. I'm not talking about gay pride. I'm talking about like actual pride, right? You got your Rolex on, you're like, I'm rich. Did you know that? I'm rich. Here's my Lambo. <laughs> Let me get in that. Rich, by the way. Do you notice my exhaust? It blows out money. You see that? $300 bills. Like a guy I know went to a, a speech, and the guy literally handed out a $100 bill to everyone that was there. He just wanted everyone to know, I'm rich. And I actually asked him, who is that again? Because I would like to attend the next time. You know what I mean? But it's just, it, 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 no offense to this man, but come on. I don't know if he's doing that for the well-being of other people. He's like, I'm rich, and let me show you how rich I am. Right? But sometimes it shows off in the simplest of ways. You're prideful because you're not as bad as the other kid in the youth group. Huh. Yeah, I was that kid in the youth group. I'm like, have you seen him? Compared to him, I'm a gem. Guys, I used to tell my parents, I don't know how they put up with me. I'm being very open right now. I was like, sometimes I feel like a diamond in the rough in this youth group. I would say that! Are you kidding me? Like, and I was like, oh, I'm so humble, man. I'm like a diamond in the rough in this youth group. I'm like, I'm a jam among the goal. Like, but the Lord was probably looking at me like, really? <laughs> like, Really? <laughs> I seriously said this. I'm not making it up. How about jealousy and covetousness? How about you look at the guy with the Rolex and Lamborghini who's blowing money out of his exhaust pipe, and you're like, yeah, I kind of would like that. Like two Lamborghinis and two Rolexes on both wrists would like that. <laughs> you walk by him, ha, 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 two. Because it's just gems in a watch. Do you ever think about that? It's like, it keeps time. Mine does the same thing. I got this for free. <laughs> like, um, but there's a lot. Of, guys, again, we live in New York City. Like, I want everything. Like, I see shoes. I'm like, I wish I had those shoes. You know, I see, like, a shirt. I wish I had that shirt. I see a relationship. I wish I had that relationship. I wish I had that family. I wish I had that situation. I'm not happy with how I, you know. It's a sin. Gluttony. Eating when you don't have to. Not, I'm not saying you have to like starve yourself. I have to eat or I'll die. You know, something. But then sometimes I've even caught myself. Man, I'm really bored right now. <laughs> Boy, that looks good. And I'm sitting there I'm like, how did I eat all these bags of M&Ms? Were you hungry? No, I just wanted to do something. And you're laughing because you know. This t- she walks into the room, and I'm sitting there on the computer eating caramel M&M's. I thought you hate those. I do. Why are you eating them? I'm like, I'm so bored. And I keep showing it in my face. And it's like, 
It's Gluttony! It's like, it's not, you can't, that. What you really discover is I'm a terrible person. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I did. Did you know it's a sin? Did you know that? Like, yes, you could eat for enjoyment, but what I was doing was I was eating something I didn't even like. Like, come on! That is the definition of gluttony. I have a great example for sin. Great. Gossip. Okay, I mean, obviously, this gossip column's like, oh, Katy Perry did what? What? But then you're at school, or, you know, church is rampant with it. Church is some of the worst places for gossip. Did you know that? That's super sad. Did you see what, did you see what Caleb was, did you you see what Latia's son was wearing? Did you see he shaved his head? He looks, he looks awful. Oh. You know, Rebecca, I saw her walk by a napkin, and then she didn't pick it up. She clearly doesn't love the Lord. You laugh, but you know what? Seriously, that's what happens. Hatred. Interesting, you're thinking, oh, I don't hate anybody. But think about, like, figures in our culture. Like, I say a rampant sin, and I'm not promoting this man. The hatred for Donald Trump is a sin. I'm not, and I'm not here on a political standpoint to say whether you do or don't like whatever I don't. What I'm saying is the hatred for Donald Trump is a sin. The hatred for Hillary Clinton is a sin. Did you know that? I'm not a huge Hillary Clinton fan. But I want you guys to know, and this is the glory of myself, but, you know, like on the day of the, when they revealed who won, I had a tweet ready for Hillary and Trump saying I'd pray for whoever. Because we're called to be above that. Because the world out there says, hate who you want to hate because you have a right to hate. God says, you have no right to hate anybody. I don't even hate Satan. Now, I know this whole, like, righteous hatred, I understand, I get that. What I'm saying is, we're called not to hate. Yet we do. I think we fight a lot more in people we don't know that we hate. Therefore, don't hate LeBron. There it is. There's the application. <laughs> Caleb's like, yes. Judgment. Have you seen people who, you know, are younger Christians, perhaps? And you're like, they don't look the way they should. <clears throat> they don't talk the way they should. We judge Christians all the time. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go around them, encourage them like, New Christian, you know, he doesn't know that Speedos in church, not cool. But I say most of us are quick. I use ridiculous examples, but most of us would be quicker to talk about it behind their back and judge them than to go around them and love them. It's true. So, and I know I spent a lot of time, sin and God can't coexist. And it's not just the big ones, it's also the allowable ones. So, what do we do with this? I want to help you out here real quick. You can't have both. And I hope this reads truer than it did the first time I read it. You can't have both. Sin and God cannot coexist. One more time. Sin and God cannot coexist. They can't. 
Here we go. Why? There is. I can live in sin and for God. And truth. Sin is always against God. Lie. I can still be close to God while in sin. Truth. Sin is always a divider. It always separates. Always. Not sometimes, not a little. Always. Lie. I can sin because it's really not a big deal. Fear is not a big deal. Pride is not a big deal. It's not pornography and drugs. I can eat my caramel M&M's. <laughs> Truth. Sin is always a killer. It always destroys. The building will always collapse. Okay. Overcoming lingering sin. So I want to take a time to address something real quick because perhaps you've heard what I said and I think this is some of the fears that slip in to young Christians. This is like, I'm not going to say camps names, but there's Christian camps out there that really focus on like making you guys feel guilty and making you question your salvation. I'm not here to do that. I'll even put up there. I wrote that I'm not here to do that. Lies and fears while in lingering sin. This is things that your mind starts conjuring up. And I'm not trying to prove you know, there's a very good chance maybe you're not saved. But let me throw some things at you real quick, okay? If you're not willing to stop saying you shouldn't even call yourself Christian, that's a lie. Because Christian struggles with sin. These are lies, by the way. I'm not writing this like this is true. This is a lie, okay? You're like, oh my goodness. Like, oh. <laughs> the answer to habitual sin is to just stop it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've talked to many guys who've struggled in pornography. Let's use that example. I know it's uncomfortable. I don't care. I really don't care. And this is not a good, helpful, like, just stop it. I didn't come to you to just stop it. If I could do that, I would have came to you. Try telling that to an alcoholic. Just stop it. What? It's a lie. I understand that. If you're stuck in habitual sin, you should question whether or not you're really saved. I did this all my teen years. I just struggled with a lot of different sin. And I was like, how could I have gotten saved at kindergarten and being this thing called sanctification, yet I reached the teen years, and I feel like I'm the worst I've ever been. I didn't know all these things when I was young, but now I do. And I wish I didn't. I really questioned I was saved. That's a lie, guys. Now, don't get me wrong. If you don't know if you're saved, just say, God, I need to talk to you about that. But every time you struggle with something, isn't the time to say, is God, does God really, am I really saved? Let me tell you why. First of all, hit on something. Okay. I wrote a lot on this because this is a very touchy subject. I believe the Bible is sufficient to help with anything. I also believe it is ignorant and naive to think that people can just stop something. I believe that there is brain elements, right? That's, there's psychological elements to this thing called addiction and habits. The Bible is sufficient. So I don't want you to go away. Trevor believes in psychology and uh, that that's sometimes better than the Bible. No, no, no. I believe psychological treatments could be perfected with scriptural basis. What I mean is, there's a lot of helpful things. Let me read what I wrote, because that's better than what I'm saying. 
Christian counselors often adopt certain psychological theories in part, but they do not embrace an underlying philosophies that deny God or biblical truths, okay? So there's helpful psychological things with biblical truth. It's awesome. I'm telling you, it works. Okay, so all I'm saying is, I have a future series on this. The Bible is sufficient, but I'm not naive to think that there isn't, because you can get addicted to stuff, guys. You can get in a habit. I have a habit of frustration right now that's starting to concern me. I'm being very forthcoming. I want you to know that I'm not like here like, holy pastor, let me impart my knowledge. You know, like I, I struggle <laughs> as I'm in my like bare feet. <laughs> I'll probably get a, People are wondering, they're like, what is, like, who do you think he is? All I want you to know is habit is any re- regular repeated behavior that requires literal no thought. Like, for example, picking your nails. All right? Don't hate it, my dear. It's, it's something that people do. And I think sins can become that way. And addiction is like the step up, where it takes a seemingly uncontrolled behavior that requires overwhelming effort to stop. What I want to get from this slide is a snippet, I get it, of a whole huge conversation, is that I believe you can have a habit and an addiction to sin. I do. I believe that although there's a desire to change, that there's really practical things we have to do to make an effort to change those. I do. I'll get into that application. Okay. I know I've been preaching long. I don't know how long, but it's been long. I know. It's like 40 minutes. I know. It's ridiculous. Truth in the midst of trial. Okay. I want you to give you some truths. Christian sin. Okay. They do. Read a quick verse here. Oh, I didn't write that one out. I won't read that one. Okay. Christian said, it's all throughout the Bible. The Bible says, all have said to come short of the glory of God. I don't, like, you look at adults, maybe, and you think, wow, they seem so holy. They sin too, okay? I don't look at you guys like, okay, got to get them to stop sinning. So when they get out of high school, they're perfect adults. I understand that you sin. God forgives always. What does it say here? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. No contingencies? Nothing? No, that's just straight up. These are truths that you need to hold on to. How about this? You're free. Did you know that? If you have, you write stuff down. John 8, 31 through 36. You're no longer a slave to sin. Okay? Here's the most satisfying, I think, comforting thing in the world right here. You are secure. Let me read this to you. And I give unto, you, unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, and I and my Father are one. Simple. You're saved, you're saved. Does that mean you never struggle? Does that mean you never make a mistake? No, but God says, if you really believe on me, I got you. It's going to be okay. So I've talked a lot. And I've, I feel like I've actually brought up some good points. <laughs> right? So what do we do? I never like leaving you guys with like, okay, well, I said a ton. Great. Now what? Let's just put, I'm a big believer in this. 
Tell yourself the truth. Look at yourself and be like, I'm, I'm, I sin. And let's stop using the S word. Not because I'm like, oh, it's not really in my chakra. Like, no, no, no. I'm saying start naming what these things are because like, you're a sinner. That's true. How about we like articulate what those are? Because like, I keep sinning. I don't feel like that makes it personal enough. I keep getting frustrated. I keep being gluttonous or eating for no stupid reason. <laughs> I keep watching pornography when I shouldn't, right? I'm not denying the big ones. I keep fearing when I should take comfort in God. Tell yourself the truth of what's going on. Throw the S word out of there, not because it's not that sin, but because I don't feel like it makes it personal enough. Maturity. This small. <laughs> Find accountability. Guys, seriously, I, I know we just got here, and I know like, ever coming forth with anything is really hard. And I'm not asking you to pour out your secrets to me. I get it. We are here for you. It's a confidential relationship. Obviously, if you're doing something illegal like robbing banks, we might have to turn you in. But we're here to be there for you. And I'm not going to look at you. Guys, I've really heard it all. I mean, pretty much everything at this point, I feel like. I mean, I worked at the governor's school, and it was like, wow. Anyway, find accountability. Don't do it alone because it's not going to work. Find other Christian brothers and sisters to help you out. This is good. Plan to execute. Okay, so this is the practical stuff. If there's a particular place, oh, well, let's start here. If there's a particular access point that gets you to what, you know, if I do this, I tend to start worrying. Or if I do this, I tend to start doing this or this. Remove those access points. I can't have internet on my phone. Block the internet. Uh, I really struggle with eating when I'm bored. Remove the snacks. Get caramel M&Ms. I'm telling you, that will get you pretty close to off gluttony. Those are awful. Right? It's, I'm prideful when I get likes on my Instagram pictures. Stop posting pictures of yourself. Just remove the, the opportunity. Run from temptation! Why well, tend to make this mistake in this situation? I'm going to blow your mind here. Don't do that. Run from it. When I'm with these guys, I tend to make dumb mistakes. Don't be with them. Stop putting yourself in the same situation, which is kind of a... Make practical steps. Like, forgiveness is true, but there's so many Christians who are like, okay, 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 okay. Oh, I messed up again. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, I messed up again. It's like, did you change anything? No, not really. No. It's, it's insanity to do the same thing and expect different results. Albert Einstein. Remember who overcomes. It's not your power, it's God's power. You know that. But remember that because that's really comforting that you don't have to do it. God does it. Now, you're involved in it because some people are like, oh, couch, fix me, God. No. But God is the one who overcomes. It's his power. Dwell no more. So Satan has a really interesting tactic. When you mess up, he wants you to think about it a lot. Because it makes you question things like salvation. And sometimes Christians are like, maybe I should throw this all away. 
God forgives, say, okay, you know, it's not forgiving, like, okay, uh, I, that's like, that never happened. But say, you know what, God forgives me, it's okay, I'm going to make an effort to try to do better with the accountability I'm in and the healthy community that I've surrounded myself in. I feel like there could be actual change. Surround yourself with a healthy community. City youth is a healthy community. Being in a church is healthy. Being with Christian friends is healthy. So surround yourself with that, okay? That's it. That's all I got. There is no allowable sin. Sin and God can't coexist. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. Okay? But I understand that sin is tough. So we're here for you. Okay? That's all. That's it. That's all. That's all I got. We're going to pray. We're going to be done. I've probably preached too long. It's fine. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, we struggle. We're not perfect. We wish we were because it would make this life easier, but we got to constantly seek after you. You died for our sins. You forgive us of them. And uh, help us to make an effort to be more like you. It's not that we're never going to sin again. I wish we'd get to that point. We won't. But, Lord, we can severely make an effort to be real close to you. This is your name. Amen. Okay, that's it. How long was that? That was long. Was it long? I've been averaging like 45. That's, a, that's about six minutes over what I normally do.